Uh, also, Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 4, we're going to read verses 12 and 13, and uh, when you find that, we'll stand in just a moment if we can. Hebrews 4, if you're physically capable, would you stand with me out of respect to God's word? Hebrews 4, verse 12 and verse 13, the Bible says this, for the word of God is quick. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean fast? No. What does it mean? Live. It's living. Isn't it amazing? We're reading the Word of God, and we're searching it, and at the same time, it is searching, and it's alive by the Spirit of God. We understand that the Bible is like no other book. It is living. Not only is it quick, but then it says, and powerful. Powerful is the idea of effectual, or it's effective. A dynamite is effective to be able to do its intended purpose, so the Word of God is effective. But notice the next description of the Word of God. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and what? Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Now he uses the illustration of the physical and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not made not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Here it describes the word of God as living quick. It's powerful, it's effective. But then it's also sharper than any two-edged sword, not larger. I used to uh, imagine a very large sword that a soldier would have to wield with two hands. That's not the description. It's not the size of this two-edged sword. It's the precise, surgically precise cutting instrument. It is so sharp, it can cut right through and divide and really reveal what's on the inside of us. It's the idea of a surgical instrument. The title of the message is Spiritual Surgery. Spiritual Surgery. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Father, I ask, would you please take your word through your spirit and do spiritual surgery in our hearts and our lives today. Fill me with your spirit so I would clearly and powerfully uh, just communicate what your word would have. Lord, I pray that you would do the changing. You would do the working. You would do what no man can do and speak to the spirit and the heart of man. Lord, I pray that those here that do not know Christ would be saved. Those that are saved would just simply be vulnerable and give permission to you to do spiritual surgery in their lives. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I don't have the weakest of stomachs, nor do I have the strongest. So at the sight of blood, I can perhaps get a little queasy. But if it's my blood, I certainly get more concerned. Um, No doubt. One time I was uh, getting blood drawn uh, from the hospital here in Indianapolis years ago. My dad was with me. And I just kind of felt a little dizzy. Uh, we were leaving. They were finished taking the blood. And we started walking through the hallway of the hospital. And I thought, oh, wow, I don't, I don't feel so good, Dad. And so I stopped and I leaned against the wall of the hallway. And I thought, I just, I'm going to have to sit down. Well, there was no chair and I couldn't get to a chair. So I just sat down right in the hallway on the floor in the hospital. A nurse passes by. You okay? Yeah, this is my normal spot. 
Uh, I like it here. It's pretty good. When it comes to blood and taking that, I'm, uh, I'm a, especially it's my own, I can get a little bit queasy. When it comes to surgery, no doubt we are very hesitant, very reluctant to just jump into it. Yeah, I don't think I'm doing anything this week. I think I'll have a surgery. No, we don't do that. If uh, a doctor gives to us the proposal of the possibility you may need surgery, a lot of times we'll think I need a second opinion. I need to check this out. Let me think about it. Let me pray about that. And then before the surgery is done, you need to give permission to the surgeon to be able to perform the surgery. Did you realize this? That God the Holy Spirit forces no one to be saved. And God the Holy Spirit does not force you as a Christian to be revived. He is waiting for you to give permission. We're going to see that the Holy Spirit is going to take the word of God and do spiritual surgery to truly reveal the cancer of sin or the cancerous tumor of self that's on the inside that needs to be removed and it's for our spiritual good and our spiritual health. Will you today say, dear God, I'll let down my guard. I'll be vulnerable. Not to me, the evangelist. Not to pastor. But to God, the Holy Spirit, that wants to do you good and help you in your spiritual health. Will you allow God to do spiritual surgery in your heart and in your life today? Let's understand three truths about this passage and understanding how God does the spiritual surgery. First, in laying the groundwork is number one. Man is created in three parts. Now, when I say man, I'm talking about mankind, man and woman. Man is created in three parts. Can we say that together? Ready? Number one is man is created in three parts. I didn't lead you very good with that, so let me do it a little bit better, okay? All right, number one, ready? Man is created in three parts. Well, I say, is that true? It is. In fact, the Bible here almost assumes this is true. In verse 12, it doesn't give us much explanation, but it does give it. Look at there. It says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder. Here's the first part. It mentions soul. What's the second part? And spirit. And then it says, and of the joints and marrow. What would that be? Body. So we would believe we have three parts. Big word for that would be trichotomy. Body, soul, and spirit. Is there any other passages in scripture that would prove or give us indication of this? Yes, there is. If you can turn there, uh, you can hold your place in Hebrews, but we'll see 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. It says this. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 23. It says, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. That is your whole being, okay? Sanctify you wholly. And I pray that your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here it gives the order of spirit, soul, and body. But there's the three parts. A lot of times just because of uh, of habit, I will say body, soul, and spirit. But those would be the three parts. 
Uh, what's the body? Well, that's pretty obvious. The body is the physical. I, I can pick up these books uh, with my body. I relate to the physical world around me, the tangible, touchable, physical world with my body. Well, what's our soul? Our soul is the real you. It's where your individuality comes from, your personality. It's, it's where you're made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Not your mind as in the gray matter, actual the physical brain, but the thinking. Your thinking comes from your soul. Uh, your will, that's your volition, where you make decisions. I desire this and I decide this. That's, you're making that decision in the soul. And then emotions. And uh, so those three are, are really comprising of your soul, your unique identity. And I, I love it how God makes us all different, both not only physically, but our soul and our individual personalities. Don't you love different personalities? I love it. I love, absolutely, if we were all the same, it would be so boring. But I love different personalities. So we have our soul. Now, the soul relates to other people. Ever hear the phrase, this is my soul mate? So our soul is how we relate to other people. The body is how we relate to the physical world. Our soul is how we relate to the other people. What's our spirit? Now I'm talking about a human spirit. Even an unsaved person. Do you, do you realize all of us, when we're born, we're born unsaved. We're born in a lost condition. None of us are born children of God in the sense of, I'm in God's spiritual family and I'm automatically going to heaven. We're all born sinners. In sin did my mother conceive me. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But even, I believe, if we are born as a sinner, which we all are, we have three parts. Body, soul, and spirit. There's a human spirit of man. In that human spirit, I believe we have conscience. Uh, that's where we have that mechanism of right and wrong. It, uh, it encourages us when we're doing right. It smites us when we're doing wrong. Uh, there's the, also the idea of intuition. What's that? Women's intuition? No, that's like a fourth part I have no idea about. <laughs> I am not even going to go there. <laughs> no, no. Intuition is this idea of how the, the Lord's going to lead us. So we're seeing now that the human spirit is how we relate to God. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So the body, we relate to the physical world. The soul, we relate to other people. Our spirit is how we relate to God, but when we're physically born, we're born with this need of salvation, and we are not yet um, indwelt by the Spirit of God. But we have the three parts. Now, these three parts are illustrated even in the illustrations of the Old Testament tabernacle, perhaps even in the temple. There would be the outer court. Uh, there would be the, the holies, and then there would be the Holy of holies. So the outer court. Everybody can see the outer court. It's just like your body. Everybody can see the outside, right? Well, not everybody could see the outside. Uh, I mean, not everybody could see the inside, nor go into the holies. Only the priests could go into the holies. Not anybody could go in there. That's like your soul. Only you dwell on the inside of you. It's just like the illustration that he gives in Hebrews 4.12. It's, it's your body. And on the inside is joints and marrow. That, the joints would be that bone, that hard part. On the marrow is the, really the life of the bone. The life uh, of your blood system is on that marrow, that living part inside the bone. And uh, so there's those three parts. 
Well, within the soul, I believe, is the spirit, the human spirit of man. And that's just like in the illustration of the tabernacle as well, the outer court, the holies, and then remember, it's the holy of holies, the holy of holies. And where did God dwell? In the holy of holies. And that leads us to our second principle. In understanding the surgical process, we know, number one, Man is created in three parts. By the way, if someone doesn't agree and they say, I believe we're made in two parts, usually they're smarter than I am. We say, well, what do you do? Well, I simply wait until heaven and then they'll agree with me. All right, so number one, man is created in three parts. Number two, the Holy Spirit of God dwells in the human spirit of man. Number two, we won't say it, but you can just listen. Number two, the Holy Spirit of God dwells in the human spirit of man. I believe there's several reasons for that. One is the very illustration that you're a temple. You have your Bibles open? Can you turn to 1 Corinthians 3? Uh, and uh, let's look at a couple verses here. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We'll see the, the illustration here. And uh, again of the temple. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16. Do you have that? 1 Corinthians 3, 16. It says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God. Now watch this. And that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Now, a couple of things here. First of all, it's talking about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, dwells in you, moves inside of you. We'll get to that in just a second. But notice how it starts a verse. How did it start it? Know ye not? Don't you know this? Don't you realize? Look, hey, you know what would help us out this week, the rest of this year, our lifetime, is keeping in the forefront of our thoughts and our mind that God, the Spirit of God Almighty, lives inside of you as a Christian. Would that not change everything in your perspective with your problems? With dealing with temptation in your relationships, in your day-to-day -day process? When you trust Jesus Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit moves in. What part of you does he move into? The human spirit. It is the human spirit. Let's keep going. Look at chapter 6, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Here it is again. The assumption is you should know this. You should have this knowledge. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple, the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and you're not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. God says now you're bought with a price. What is the price? What was the payment for your sins? What was the payment for your soul? What was this payment to be able to have you get, be able to receive eternal life? It is the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Without the remission of sins, there is, uh, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. God sent Jesus Christ, his son, to die for us. And Jesus Christ died literally in your place. He died for your sins. He was buried and he rose again. There has been no greater price paid for anything on this planet. You are of great value. 
You know a value of something by what someone is willing to pay for it. Have you ever found something in your garage? You're like, man, this is like absolutely junk. It means nothing to me. Then you go online and you go, what? Someone's going to pay 100 bucks for this? They're crazy. Yes, I'll take it. <laughs> and you take that item. Now it's increased in value because of what someone's willing to pay for it. God sent his son to die for you. Have you trusted Jesus Christ as Savior? When you realize that God paid the full price for your sin by Jesus dying on the cross, by being buried and raising again, he paid for all of your sins. When you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, at that very moment, the Holy Spirit moves in. He dwells inside of you. He lives inside of you. So let me ask, have you been saved? Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Have you received this gift of eternal life because the price has already been paid for your sin through Jesus Christ? Are you saved? Does the Holy Spirit live inside of you? How do we know, though, Brother Miller, you say that he dwells in this human spirit of man? The God, the Holy Spirit, dwells in the human spirit of man. Listen to these verses in Ezekiel 36 and 26. It says this, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Now here he talks about putting a new spirit in you. What is this new spirit? This is the new birth. This is the teaching of regeneration, recreation. You are made new. I now have that old human spirit. It dies with the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll talk about that tonight, Lord willing. But we have now a new spirit now created in us. We're born again. You must be born again. That's what it's talking about. By the way, this regeneration, this recreation happens after you trust Jesus Christ as Savior. It never comes before the decision of belief. Never, ever, ever. Believe on Jesus Christ and ye shall be saved. Believe on him and ye shall have everlasting life. You're born again at that point. Okay, but watch and listen to Ezekiel 36, 27. And it says, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments. So not only does he say, I will put a new spirit within you, I'll recreate your human spirit so now it's clean. Because God cannot live in a dirty place. That's why in the temple, you got the outer court, the holies, and the holy of holies. Where did God dwell? In the holy of holies. This is the most holy inner part. God creates a new spirit now. And now he places his holy spirit inside of you. God Almighty lives in you. You have now the divine nature of God, the new nature is inside of you every single day. How many days this past week did you access the power, the very life of God, the divine nature that lives inside of you? Not only do we see, number one, man is created in three parts. Number two, God, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God dwells in the human spirit of man. But number three, we see this. Only the word of God, used by the spirit of God, can divide between spiritual life and soul life. Let me say that again. Only the word of God, 
used by the Spirit of God, can divide between spiritual life and soul life. You have your Bibles open again? Let's go back to our text. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. Hebrews 4 verse 12. And uh, look there. It says this. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Why does the Bible say that the word of God... Now think, you got to think. Are we okay to think on Sunday morning? <laughs> got the coffee already down? <laughs> We're awake? Why does God, the Holy Spirit, say take the word of God... The word of God divides between soul and spirit. Why would he do that? What is this all about? Why, why would there need to be a division between soul and spirit? It, it keeps going. It says this in verse 12. And uh, soul and spirit and the joints and marrow. That's the illustration of the soul and spirit. The spirit within the soul. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. In other words, folks, the Word of God knows you better than you know yourself or could know yourself. We cannot truly know our own thoughts or even the intents, our purposes, our motivations, the reason why we do things until the Spirit of God takes the Word of God and divides and reveals these things to us. What is the God doing when he's dividing between soul and spirit. Well, let me illustrate. Let me get my three guys. I asked three uh, young men to help me out. They're going to come up here. And uh, coming up, one, two, three. Great. All right. I picked fine young men here, all dressed in black. Look at that. All blacks are coming. But looking sharp with their ties. They're going to come up. And so we're going to understand an illustration form here. Uh, come up here and just stand right here, if you would. And uh, between body, soul, and spirit. And hopefully we'll be able to all be able to see even over here, okay? So we have body, soul, and spirit. Okay, so you're going to be our body, all right? Big, strong body. All right, okay. Then we have our soul right here. And then we have our spirit right there. And uh, didn't know the spirit had a goatee. And uh, so, so this is uh, the three parts of man. Okay, remember? Okay, class, are you with me? All right, ready? This is the... Next? Soul. Next? Spirit. Okay, can you see it? Why don't you guys step up just a little bit? Folks? Okay, there we go. All right. Uh, so body, soul, and spirit. Okay, and again, when we're talking about spirit, we're talking about the human spirit. When we are born physically, we are born with three, these three parts. Now, at the point of salvation, what happens? The person realizes, I'm a sinner because of my soul, my, my sin, my soul, my eternal soul, is going to go to hell. I need to trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. At that point of salvation, of trusting Jesus Christ as your only way of salvation, the Holy Spirit moves in. Where does the Holy Spirit move in? The Holy Spirit moves in to this place right here, the Spirit. The old Spirit is made new. Now there's a clean place for the Holy Spirit to live and to dwell in. So now the Holy Spirit moves in. If we were back in... 1 Corinthians 6, and 1 Corinthians 6, I think it is verse 17, it says, it says, talks about the Spirit and the Lord. Now the Lord is one Spirit, and you're in, there's never a time in Scripture that it, it can really give us a, a, an indication between, after you're saved, that it's your human spirit, or it's the, it's the Holy Spirit. Now they're one. 
They're coming, there's a union there that will never be separated. By the way, the Holy Spirit is the seal of your salvation and you are eternally secure. The Holy Spirit moves inside and dwells inside of your body in the Spirit. Okay, now, what does it mean to divide between soul and spirit? Let's, instead of lining up like this, why don't you take a step forward and, uh, and soul, why don't you line up behind him and uh, spirit, you line up behind him. Okay, okay, what does it mean be to divide between soul and spirit? Well, let's uh, understand. It says here that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing the sunder of soul and spirit. Now, when I come up and I meet, tell me your name again. Alex. Alex. Thank you, Alex. When I meet Alex, I shake his hand. I say, hey, good to see you, Alex. Uh, looking sharp. And then do I, after I see Alex's body, do I shake his soul? Hey, good to see you, soul. And spirit, good to see you. <laughs> All right. No, I don't. That would be kind of awkward. Wouldn't that be revealing if all of that was exposed? Right behind you is your soul and your spirit. You got a bad attitude. It's right there, you know. And so there's, no, you can't see that. All I see is his body. But the real Alex is Garrett. We never knew. I don't know if this is good or bad. I don't know where this is going here. But it, that's the real him. Okay, but why would, why would there be a division between the soul and the spirit? It doesn't say the flesh, does it? No. And it doesn't say sin. So we've got to really put our thinking caps on here. What is it? What happens is this. Is the word of God is used by the Holy Spirit, the surgeon. It cuts right in. You don't mind if I cut you today, do you? <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of attached to my uh, body. <laughs> so, so it pierces right through. And it, and it can go right past our ears and the, that gray matter of the brain to the soul on the inside. And then it divides between these two, between joints and marrow on the inside. And it says, look here, you right here, and it divides this one out. You want to know who's in control right now? You want to know who you're trusting in right now? It's the soul right here. What is the soul? Remember, it's your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's your natural state. It's who you are naturally. It's you. It's the natural man. The soul is what you can do. You can get up, you can dress, and look real nice for church. You can even sing a song. You could preach a message, or teach a class, or pray, or even go soul winning. The soul can do a lot of things in its own strength. But the reality is, they're not worth anything. It's not pleasing. When it's talking about spiritual life or soul life, this soulish nature, this soulish natural man, this soul life, is what you and I can accomplish on our own. So what we need to do is let the word of God. But, 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 but I just feel like I'm right with God. Can your feelings deceive you? The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So you can't trust your emotions. Uh-huh, I don't trust my emotions, Brother Miller. 
No, 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 I'm a man. I have no emotions. <laughs> I analyze everything logically, and I can logically say right now, I am right with God. Okay. Did you know your mind can trick you men and ladies? It, it says deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it in Jeremiah 17? Then the Lord answers. It says, I, the Lord, search the hearts. God knows. The only way for you to know your true, accurate spiritual condition is to let the Holy Spirit of God use the word of God to reveal and divide out that soulish nature in you. Get back in line. Get back there, soul. We don't want you. <laughs> What's it supposed to be? How's it supposed to really work? When Alex sits in service and God speaks to his heart, says, okay, you know, the soul's in control right now. I'm not doing right, and I've been just living in my own self. I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm not dependent upon the Holy Spirit. I'm not energized by the Holy Spirit of God that dwells inside of me. I need to confess that he gets it right. But is there not a possibility for Alex to be right with God? Yes. Could he, as a Christian, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Okay, he, you've, so you've trusted Christ. That's the way you have eternal life. That's the way you're saved. You're not saved by any other way. He's saved. He's on his way to heaven. The Holy Spirit lives inside of him. Is there any way to know that he's right with God? Or is he going to have to be riddled with guilt the rest of his life? Yes, you can. Past sins can be confessed. You're cleansed. But here it is. The word of God coming in is dividing between asunder. You know what? Satan can put a cloud over you. So you're not right with God. There's this darkness. Oh, I, I just don't, I don't feel right. I, and some of you are introspective and you look inside and you're trying to figure out again, am I right with God? Am I not right with God? And you, well, I just don't feel like I'm right. And there's just some ambiguous, ethereal, uncertain thing. That's not the Holy, how the Holy Spirit works. When the Holy Spirit works, he says, this is it. This is the specific thing. Here's my word to convince you that you're not right. Boom, he shows you. But when you are right, Holy Spirit takes the word of God, he divides in, and he brings out the spirit. He says, this is the guy in control right now. This is the way it's supposed to be. You are right with God. You are filled with the spirit. You are dependent upon the strength of the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of you. So this morning, will you allow God to reveal to you who's in control? And what kind of Christian life you're living. In other words, will you allow God to do spiritual surgery in your life? Say, Lord, would you show me where I'm soulish and I've been dependent upon myself, where I'm spiritual and I'm truly trusting you for your strength. Thank you, men. You can be seated. Thank you, guys. Lord willing, we'll see him tonight again. So, will you let God do spiritual surgery with you? Now, why is this important to do right now? Look, if you would, at Hebrews 4 and verse 13, and we'll wrap this up. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. That phrase of the eyes of him with whom we have to do has the idea of this and the meaning to the one you're accountable to. At the judgment seat of Christ, God's going to reveal not your sins so you can be punished because Jesus Christ already has taken your punishment. 
when he paid the price for your soul. But what will be revealed? Your works, your service, and everything that is done in the spirit will be gold and silver and precious stones, according to 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 4, 5, he's going to reveal the hidden things, even the counsels of the heart, the intents, the why you did what you did. It's going to be revealed. Did you do it for this? Pat on the back? Did you do it for self? To be seen of men? Then at that point, it's going to be revealed. This wasn't done in the spirit. This was done in your soul. Soulish, natural person. And all of those soulish, natural things are wood, hay, and stubble. They mean nothing in the light of eternity. So wouldn't you want to right now know if you're going to get a crown at the judgment seat of Christ? You know, there's, there's, a, there's a lack. There's a possibility of missing out. It's not just a one-time thing. I, I think it affects much even through the kingdom of the millennial reign. Will you hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Or will you suffer loss? Wouldn't you want to know right now? And if you're here and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you think, I think I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person. I've tried really hard. I'm proud of this, said the man who helped change my tire just a few days ago when we had a flat on the way to church. I do th good things to help people out. And I think because of that, God's going to let me go to heaven. Riddled with body piercings, tattoo of Romans 6.23 on his arm. I'm just really proud of stopping drugs. I'm really, I'm just really glad I could do this. Where's his whole focus and dependence on self and what he can do? The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If you're saved here, would you allow God to do spiritual surgery to reveal what would be in your heart and your life? If you're not saved, would you today trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior before it's eternally too late?